0: welcome back to the identical draw podcast this is episode six we are going to be talking about our nebraska mule deer hunt with uh, new hunters josh and dylan um before first i'd like to thank our sponsor of the podcast vortex optics we spent a lot of time behind the glass in this hunt about five six hours a day um and vortex was really generous hooking us up with a lot of great glass for these new hunters and so both of these guys that we had on this hunt were able to go home with some new spotters. So that is super helpful to be able to just be generous like that as a company and be able to hook these guys up because I mean a spotting scope if you're hunting out west it's something that you need and it was really generous of them. I also want to plug Vortex wear. It's the Vortex Optics apparel and they just came out with a new fall line that is epic. If you use the if you use the code ID20 On the Vortex Optics, Vortex Wear, um, you can get 20% off your purchase. So hit that up. They've got some sweet jackets, shirts, hats, socks. Mm -hmm. All right. Episode six. Here we go. All right, guys. Go ahead, can I? Yeah, thanks. Um, welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. It was hard to uh, track Josh down because after our uh, mule deer hunt, he, uh, he 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 got the itch and uh, left a uh, left left cell service for a while. Josh, fill us in on uh, what you did post mule deer hunt a little bit.
1: Yeah, right after I I flew out to Idaho and then went elk hunting for the rest of the September. So it was super fun. About three weeks. I think I got 22 days of elk hunting in, uh, which was super fun. Didn't end up getting one, but I learned so much and we're like, what, 320 some days till next year. Yeah. So,
0: So, um, Josh, your other mentor killed a nice bull though, right? He did. Yeah. He got a nice five
1: by five. Um, yeah, pretty big. I wasn't with him to take the shot. He was like a few hundred yards higher than me, but, uh, I did get to help pack out, which is the fun part.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, how was the uh how how'd your back do those days? <laughs>
1: Dude, I was so I did a hotel night after the that two days of packing that out and then I had to extend and like do one more night just to rest. It was mm-hmm. it was a lot. It was it was heavy.
0: That's a lot yeah, of work. And that pack
1: would probably weighed half as much as my weight. So mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah.
0: Also, that was the voice of Josh Lou. We have Dylan Robison. Dylan, you've had a little less hunt time, but how's how's things been going on your end? <laughs>
2: Yeah,
3: man, and it's tough to uh, come back from a hunt like we had in Nebraska and then just get to see Josh's update of him hunting while I'm with my face in the book here yeah. studying for school. So that was tough. And, yeah, after hunting, it makes uh, Instagram a lot more palatable. You just see everybody else hunting while you're not. Yeah,
0: sucks. <laughs> yeah. Instagram <laughs> sucks sometimes. Um, all right, so, Dylan, starting with you, I want to know, like, Give us where you're from and kind of the background of, um, hunting background basically, which wasn't much, but like kind of the progression of your outdoor activities.
3: Um, so I'm from Los Angeles, California. Uh, most of like I grew up camping, you know, car camping and stuff in national parks. And then as I got older, I kind of like late high school, early college started exploring more of like the climbing mountaineering side of things and mountaineering really is where I started to branch out on my own and find different groups of friends who really just wanted to get out and put ourselves in the mountains and find big scary looking things to climb. And, uh, so I was doing that for a long time and I honestly thought that was what I was going to do. You know, that's what I wanted to do was climb for the rest of my life and just get really good at that. I had, you know, Hunting or uh, climbing idols that I watched their videos all the time, and that's just all I wanted to do. And then uh, I had repetitive shoulder injuries from most of the time from climbing, but mm-hmm. my shoulder just wasn't holding up to it. I had two shoulder surgeries. The first one, I dislocated it again about six months or, yeah, about six months after the surgery. So then it was probably a couple more years, and in that, years I dislocated it I don't know how many times and then had the second surgery and I was—I just told myself I was going to take it a lot slower getting back into climbing and then <laughs> taking it a lot slower getting back into climbing I found I was always interested in fly fishing but then I got into fly fishing and then I think we kind of talked about how when you get into something it, it changes your whole uh, social media algorithm and I think a lot of those things overlap with hunting and I started to get more into hunting and then like everybody else Teams. there's meat eater in the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, and then it was just like climbing it. If I wanted to do it, I had to go do it. So the past couple of years, that was kind of something I really wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. And then you guys presented this opportunity at just the right time. It all worked out.
0: That's awesome. Josh, how about you? Yeah.
1: So let me think, I think I said in our, uh, video at the recap at the end of our hunt that I got into hunting kind of early early because you know i bought a bb gun when i was like 16 or whatever and oh, yeah. my backyard just started shooting every single bird that that showed up super i probably shouldn't talk about that especially if there's like a lot of non-hunters listening but i think our audience here is probably a lot of new hunters. oh yeah but yeah eventually i felt guilty about it <laughs> and yeah. uh, i think the draw was there just like the pursuit and being able to aim at something and then the whole food part of it and curating your own meat or harvesting your own meat then, yeah, similar to Dylan, the and Joe Rogan were very, very influential. Um, didn't learn about the mindset and the culture about it. And then I started working and turned out the COO at the company. He was a hunter and he found out I was interested in it. And he was like, Hey, if you get your hunting license, you know, we can go. So I went on my first waterfowl hunt that, that was that one. And then I did a couple more after I tried for Turkey in, in California for like five weekends in a row. And that was super brutal and really tough. And then I think your guys' requirements was like no more than one season, like one full year mm-hmm. or something like that. Yep. So I had one deer hunt in there too in Texas. That was like a kind of like a canned hunt. But I did that just to get the experience of like, could I, could I make the shot happen? And also I don't know how I'm going to handle the guts. So like, let's see how that goes. Yeah. So that was my hunting experience going into our hunt. I hadn't done any, uh, Big game, archery, nothing like that. No, no,
0: mm-hmm. So, you guys didn't have people that hunted in either of your families, is that correct? Yeah,
3: I, my dad had a stepmother who owned a ranch in Southern California, and he like informally hunted. He told me he killed one deer there, but mm. it was never something that stuck. And, gotcha. you know, I think he was more into fishing and mountain biking and things like that. So, no, it was never anything that uh, translated. When mm. I first started telling my dad how I was really interested in it, he told me about his grandfather always hunted, and they lived in Idaho. And so I just I kind of thought that was funny how it skipped two generations. And all of a sudden I'm obsessed with it, but Mm, yeah, it was in my family, but not where it touched me.
0: Yep. Gotcha. Um, okay. So did you guys, did you hear about this opportunity through first lights post or how'd you guys find out about this? And then whoever wants to take it, what were your hopes in reaching out and possibly being mentored? What were the things that you were wanting to get out of that experience?
3: I think we both did find it through first flight. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yes. Yeah, so I saw first flight post. My hope was like, I think I talked to you guys a lot about it on the trip, but the steepest part of the learning curve for a new hunter is the part from going to book to in the field. Like that is a long bridge to cross and getting to just watch and sit there with you guys while we're stalking in on mule deer or spotting mule deer or really the whole experience and getting to watch and witness and ask questions and pick up all those lessons along the way that there's probably hundreds of lessons that we learned. That's just so hard to articulate, but yeah, going from book to field is a pretty big leap. Mm-hmm,
0: definitely. Dylan, what were you, what were you hoping to get out of, uh, being mentored?
3: Yeah, I think it was kind of the same thing, just uh, clarification of all the things I thought you should do. Um, you know, same thing like reading books, watching shows, listening to podcasts, which all of those honestly provided tons of information if you're getting it from the right source. And uh, they were all things that I was like, okay, that's going to be what I try to do this hunting season here in California. But I knew there was going to be a lot of uncertainty, and I, when or after our hunt, you guys, I realized how much of it was a confidence thing. Okay, I should be doing this. I should be doing this at this time. I should take the time to glass as much as possible and all those things So, yeah. I'm a def- I definitely have a lot more calm Going into this this late season. I have um, Knowing like okay, I can do these things and it doesn't work out it doesn't work out But I won't do them and then think oh, maybe I should have been doing that type of thing
0: mm-hmm. Gotcha that makes sense um, I want to hear Josh, we can start with you again. I, you guys were both really good archery shots. And I want to hear about how you, your learning curve with archery and how you went about becoming a good shooter. Because I think that's a big thing for a lot of folks is picking up that, the bow and being really good at it and making an accurate shot. Cause I know that's a huge thing with archery is people don't want to make a bad shot because that just makes things dirty. And so Josh, tell me about your, your archery experience and getting into that.
1: Yeah, so I bought a bow in November uh, last year, so 2019. And then, let's see, I started shooting a little bit, and then I hired a, uh, this guy at the range. His name's Roger. He shot in the Olympic trials. He's like an archery teacher slash coach. So I did the one-on-one with him just to get my fundamentals down. And he helped me get my whole shot sequence down, you know, stance, grip, draw, anchor, sight, feet, hook, bubble, focus, focus, pull, follow through, like that whole thing is just burned in my mind. So that was my first lesson. And then like two, I started shooting the three spot and I got obsessed with that and I wanted to shoot in league in the future and whatnot. And I kept score on this app and look at the graph all, all the time and stuff mm-hmm. get super nerdy about it. So I just took a second lesson, a third lesson over the span of probably six months. Then started shooting a lot more outdoor. We have a few pretty great outdoor ranges in the Bay Area, it's like a walking course, maybe 20 targets or so. So if there's one thing I like over on <laughs> for hunting, it was the archery part. I just got really obsessed with them. I'm going to shoot target uh, after this hunting season's over. And it's just been
0: super fun. Mm-hmm. If, there's, if there's one thing to overtrain as a new hunter, it's the archery side of it. Like that's, that's where it, um, just like the, mo- the biggest learning curve is, I'd say. And just like, especially like um, translating the target, like shooting at a blocker. A 3d target and then going in the field and actually pulling up those those vitals on an animal and that's also one thing I do hear about um, Archery is people just enjoy it outside of the hunting aspect which I think is really great for Just shooters just because it's fun to practice and it's fun to like you said Josh like get nerdy about it Like get really good and like really focus on those fine minor details I think is something that we've even heard from other new hunters that are just they just love to get out and shoot still so Dylan, how about you? What was your archery experience like?
3: Uh, not as formal, which uh, as we may talk about later, maybe I could have used some <laughs> of the uh, you know, shot process stuff.
2: <laughs>
3: but uh, I just wanted to get a bow. I think it was more the Joe Rogan podcast that made me want to get a bow, but it was also the fact that I didn't have to drive 30 minutes to go shoot. I could just put a target in my backyard and shoot at 20 yards at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think going to a pro shop and having people, well, I actually got my bow from one pro shop and then uh, I was in another city and went to a pro shop with my bow and they were like, whoa, this is all wrong.
2: <laughs> Interesting.
3: They, they, changed, they changed my draw length and that was like a game changer. Cause I didn't realize I was like dipping my head forward, like two
2: inches mm-hmm.
3: to, to get my face on my string and all that. And so I think going to a, a pro shop and having them look at your setup and look at you shoot, uh, that was a big thing for me. And then just kind of figuring it out and realizing that it's the real minor adjustments and the consistency with your shot every time that's going to make the difference. But, same thing, I got obsessed with
0: it. I just like shooting. It, it is really fun. Mm-hmm. The one big thing I've noticed with talking about people, a lot of new people that are getting into archery, uh, was having somebody watch them. That was a re- like a good shooter. Um, I think that's a huge thing to have a good coach to be able to watch you and just pick apart things. Like getting it right from the beginning is so helpful. Yeah. Like neither of us had it because we were the first ones in the family just to pick up a bow and... Just I mean figure it out. So I've later in my archery career had to just redo things uh, Which is tough to do. So that's really helpful I mean for anybody getting new into archery find a good coach. I mean that is huge Just find somebody that knows what they're doing and yeah help you set it up even like when we were in the podcast with Barry Like there are things that like his his archery shop guy did on his bow that I was like That's yeah. interesting he did that because I wouldn't have done that and my guys yeah. in Lincoln wouldn't have done that but it works for him He was shooting and so it's like people just do things differently. Finding a good coach or somebody yeah. that a good bow tech is huge. Yeah. All right. So I think it's about time we get into this hunt. What do you guys think?
3: Uh, do we have to?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it was a great hunt. So we were um, just this podcast, we've been trying to get figured out for a while. So it's late, but we were hunting uh, the Nebraska opener, which was September 1st. So we were with these guys from august 30th when you when we picked them picked them up at the airport in south dakota To september 4th. So those were our hunt days just early season just right off the bat for nebraska season um, so august 30th Basically, we picked you guys up. We were done with our antelope hunt And the best route was for us to pick you up through rapid city and then that night basically we just got to camp on public land um in north central nebraska basically and uh I think we just chilled out that night. Just set up camp, isn't that right, did we No, we definitely we scouted that night. Mm. We scouted yeah. that night. Yeah, we did scout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? I saw some
1: antelope, but no, yep. no, no bucks. I don't know if we saw some ghosts that night. Nate. Oh yeah,
0: we no, we definitely. Oh yeah, I mean Tom. Yeah, yeah we okay. definitely we went, saw.
1: Nate, we, yeah,
3: Nate, you and I went to the. Is that the when we saw east the east side of the road?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was yeah. taking notes on all this. Okay. I thought that the was yep. one. Yep. Okay. I thought that was a morning. Huh? Okay. Yep. So we did have time to get out that night. Okay. Yeah. But the really yeah. good, the good scout day was the 31st mm. and you guys found nice bucks that night. Didn't you? Yeah. So 30th was just a s- slow night. We saw a few deer, mm. but then the 31st was a whole day of scouting. Like season opened the first, of course. And you guys saw deer. But you guys also, that was the day when you saw, did you see the tent that day? Or do you see it on the first? No, we we stayed out of that area until the first day of the season. So I think it was last light, Dylan, is when we spotted that nice buck across, like way across that valley. Um, Really, really far away. yeah. Yeah. But it was like, it was one of those last light situations where you basically have to you have to base what you know on the body size of the animal because seeing antlers isn't a thing. But um, we had seen small bucks and does already in the trip. And when we... I don't know. Did you ever get eyes on them? I did
3: through your spotting scope. Yeah. And it it was, was so far away, yeah. we still couldn't see it with mine.
0: Yep. And it was one of those where I put my eyes on it first and I was like, whoa. That thing just looks different. Like, well, the body it, size.
3: It wasn't until... The next day, when I spotted bucks, mm-hmm. that I realized how big that one looked. Mm-hmm. We were so far away from that one, and up until then, I had never put eyes on bucks through a spotting scope before, so yep. I had no reference.
0: Yep, all and all you can go so off the of. The next day,
3: when I saw those, and we were, we were hiking out. Yeah, I was saying when we were hiking out, I was. I, I told you, well, that that one we saw last time was huge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all like all I remember seeing is like when it's getting dark, you can just kind of see stuff move above a deer's head. You can't see antlers, but you can just see how like wide and tall they span. And then just the belly, like a big mature buck out there. Those muleys get big. I mean, they get big, big and they just had, I remember him just having this big saggy belly. And I was like, bingo, mature buck spotted. And that was basically it. I mean, we just went back to camp psyched, ready to go for opening day. The unfortunate And, uh, yeah, the unfortunate theme of of this uh, trip was that Nate and Dylan were always getting in the big bucks, and me and Josh are just <laughs> yeah. doing putting in so much more work, so much more time behind the glass, and we could not spot. Uh, okay. I mean, we we really didn't see a mature buck. We we found bucks later in the trip to go after, but no, Nate Nate and Dylan had the had the luck this uh, this trip. But call it luck, I call it a good eye. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, what's funny too is like after that Ooh. night. So I was with, um, we were, we were hunting together the whole week and Nate was with Dylan. Mm-hmm. And when we met up back at the truck, Dylan just goes, Hey guys, what's up? How was your night? Like super excited. And we just knew they saw yeah. some something They yeah. just saw something big.
0: Yep. yep. Those, those smiles always give it away. I was like, yep. I remember responding like, no, what'd you see? Cause you guys obviously saw, <laughs> saw something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good day of scouting. <laughs> we were amped for September one cause we knew we were going to hopefully find some deer. Um, me and Josh went back to our like our favorite knob. We are hunting this piece of public that we've been on three, was it? I think it's a third time out there. Third or fourth time least. out there. And um, just like a historically a really good spot. Like no matter what, we'd always, like at least from glassing that spot, we'd see deer or they'd be in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd get there and not like more, not more than like just two, 300 yards. There's a, a truck in there camped tent tent set up and that was just kind of a shot to the gut because i was like oh man like the number one plan number one spot a dude's camping right here um so that put a damper on that plan but we stayed around the area still like gave it a gave it a shot but we um that was basically a a big walk walk about without seeing anything so we kind of adjusted plans from there but you guys did you guys spot bucks that morning we um we went to the same spot where we spotted him spotted the big guy up. Um, didn't see anything at the initial sunrise, but then we moved like pretty early in the morning still, but the good sun was probably past. Um, we moved in a little further to try to see if the bucks went over a few hills or whatnot. And Dylan, you spotted up the buck over there. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. And it was a, I mean, I was so pumped to see that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of my goals for the trip—is just to, you know, figure out the glassing thing and kind of start putting those images in your head that you can start looking for. And I don't know how far that—it was like seven hundred, eight hundred yards away.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was. But that was, yeah. But
3: that was from our knob that we ended up glassing from for the rest of the trip.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that was just a good spot in there. I mean. I don't know what, if it was just the terrain or if it's where deer were getting pushed with the pressure. But yeah, from that knob, we spotted both bucks that we went after, like a handful of mature deer. So that deer, we watched it just for, I mean, it was pretty fast that first morning when we saw that, when you spotted that buck and it was kind of out of our sight. And so we just like, okay, we've got gotten kind of marked on on X and a general area where we think let's do this, kind of get our wind right and head over in that area. And as I bet we were, At least halfway, maybe even more, two-thirds of the way over there. And I look up there, and there's four bucks, two of which are pretty decent. They're just, like, running towards us. And I was like, that's weird. But right away in my mind, I'm like, those deer were bumped for sure. Um, They weren't doing, like, a full-on, like, haul butt, but they were, like, doing a pretty decent jog. And so we were like, well, I mean, they were heading our direction. Let's just keep heading over there. And it wasn't long And we saw a few dudes pop over the hill. (laughs) So that's always fun. More like definitely the theme of that first day was like just seeing more people than we'd seen in the past, which we expected opening day. Um, But I don't think it had a huge impact on our hunt, but they were definitely there. We saw them almost daily, probably at least from a distance. Mm -hmm. Um, But September 2nd was the big day when we, well, you're skipping over a good part. Okay. We kept, so we gave up on those deer, um, thinking oh, yeah. like we, we went over a few more hills and we we're like, nah. And on our walk out, we bumped into them again. And, but the the issue with that was our wind was just totally off. So, I mean, I think they yeah. winded us to like 400, 500 yards or something because it was all of a sudden they're feeding and then all of a sudden they got kind of nervous. And it was one of those, they don't know what it is, but they're smelling something off and they, Ran out and we, we hunted that area back, but didn't see him and that was I mean that was basically it for the first I don't think we saw anything that night doing
3: No nights were pretty slow for mm-hmm. us um, But we did go after those four bucks when we saw them on the way back mm-hmm. Kind of cool because we got we got to watch them for a while for yeah. 400 yards mm-hmm. which Every everything else for the rest of the trip was like a really long distance, and mm-hmm. then we were right there. Yep. So it was kind of cool to observe them from that mid range for a while.
0: Yeah, they it was a uh, everything was pretty bachelored up right now. We saw that group of four bucks. We ran into a few groups of two bucks. Um But yeah, the that hunt the terrain was good for those bucks that mid morning, but the wind just screwed us up. And yeah, that night the the theme of this trip was spot them in the morning. Mm-hmm. You need to spot. You need to spot a stockable deer in the morning because midday, it's a really hot, super windy, like wind. Like most days we're making a shot over 30 yards, pretty tough. But we had, we had exceptionally good, good weather. I'd mm-hmm. say wind wise. Yeah. Um, but in the evening, some days were almost like one day was a little, almost too calm, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, like we just decided to not waste our time midday just hopping over hills and busting up deer. We basically hunted till nine ish, 10 in the morning. If we didn't, if we didn't have everything at that point, head back to camp, do lunch, all that, that stuff. And then go back out like around three Mm -hmm. was our, was how things went. We'd, we'd get out there early enough to hopefully spot something up, but they just, with how hot it was, the deer were just moving late. I mean, seeing anything, I mean, most deer were moving 30 minutes before sunset and then around sunset. And at that time, when you're spotting things up a mile away you don't have any hopes but to hopefully relocate them in the morning so yeah the morning was kind of the the go so where where did you guys go september 2nd morning we so we we, went back. we yeah Josh didn't, didn't on the 2nd was it when we uh mm-hmm. we didn't we went like on that same top road but we cut down um like not all the way f- as far West is where our good knob was. We cut down where we actually, that's where we scouted and we saw a deer on the 31st. And we went back to that spot, which, mm-hmm. which paid off because September 2nd was when we spotted our first stockable buck. Right, Josh.
1: Yep. I remember that moment. We yeah. were sitting two sides of this knob and then all of a sudden I see you sneaking over. You look at me and motion for me to come over and in my head. I'm just like, all right, here we go.
0: Yeah. No, that I literally sat down and looked up and that buck was not, 600 yards um, just on a hillside um, and it was a it was a young buck but josh had decided that um, any young buck was was game at that point um, so we were trying to get some meat in the cooler but we we went after that buck and what was difficult about him was that he was alone and uh he was just on the move he was probably looking for looking for a group or um just feeding but he had no intentions of betting down which made it difficult for us because we just kept slowly going popping over little rises and then oh he'd be another 200 100 200 yards at least um and how long did we do that josh i mean probably at least 30 minutes is 30 to an hour of just slow like really like slow and then i'd tell josh like okay now let's hustle over there and then slow it's like it's it was kind of that process which was which was probably good for you to have some experience of just how to like why I was going fast at some spots and then slowing down. And, um, but we, we, uh, we got close to that deer. Um, uh, he, what ended up happening is probably, I think it was my, might've been the third time popping over a little rise. Um, he, he vanishes. And then at this point, my mind's like, okay, now we got a haul cause we, it's like, we probably made up like 40 to 60 yards every time that we, kept popping over a hill we'd get a little bit closer but then he'd slowly uh, wander off and then we'd just gain we gained slowly so we pop over this hill and he he heads down and then as as we're moving fast along this hillside he just decides to turn around and come back and then I look up and he's staring out at us he was probably 80 or 90 yards um he took off but it was good good first stock at that buck what do you think Josh?
1: Yeah. That was very exciting. Um, I remember we first saw it and we kind of moved our way down into some shade and then you told me to knock an arrow and that's the first time I ne- ever knocked an arrow, you know, with a broadhead on it. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just kept running and we just kept chasing it over hill after hill. And it was really unique because I didn't expect to have to push like move so fast and aggressively and then suddenly slow down super slow and then all of a sudden go fast again. So that was a really interesting stock. And you gave me some really good critique, which was like every time we went over hills to just stay right next to you. So we're one object going over instead of two. And then also the urgency. Like I just imagined in my mind to be just slow methodical and didn't really expect it to be so quick at some point.
0: Yeah. It's weird. Like I remember telling you like it's almost contradicting sense, like quick, but quiet. It's like, they don't always go together, but you just got to, when you can go, get in one of those low spots, haul ass, and then slow down like he's right there. And, I mean, you did a really good job with that first one. I knew after that and how, how you were shooting, I was like, if we can get a decent opportunity, we're going to have some meat down. But, um, no, that was an awesome, awesome first time. Um, we uh, then went to you guys, and we got we got some news that some... some some shit went down with, <laughs> for you guys that morning. So, do, Nate, you want to so, take off? Yeah. Before I do that, I want, we need to describe better. We're hunting like sand hills. Yeah. Rolling hills, um, flat. Um, that's basically it. There's not a whole lot out there. You got to watch out for cactus. Your yeah, your best object to put in between you and deer is like a small yucca or like or like a slight rise of a hill. I mean, yeah. that's what we're hunting. And I mean, there's so many places to hide. I mean, there could be you could be missing a hundred deer if they're just on the other side of the hill. I mean, that's what kind of ground it is. So you're just hoping that you can see something, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, that morning, uh, it didn't take long. I mean, it was early and Dylan had the spot again.
3: Yeah. Uh, uh which I was stoked about, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, eyes on the deer. I mean, it's cool seeing them. And then I think that day, When we saw that deer, I was kind of like, okay, there they are. And they disappeared behind a hill for a moment. They came back out and we were just watching them. And uh, I don't know if I was asking you like what the plan was yet or what, but then we saw them lay down and it was like packed on, let's go. And same thing with you guys, you know, we creeped real slow down to the canyon. Once we lost sight of the buck, you know, we were moving pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And I like that, that, uh, the capability to, get out of their sight and then move and close the distance real quick. And we were probably like halfway there in that flat basin. And I asked, uh, when do you think we'll get eyes on him again? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and Nate said, well, there's a chance we might not get eyes on him again. So you're drawing back. And I was <laughs> like, Oh shit, <laughs> because we saw it. We saw this buck at like 800 yards, mm-hmm. something like
2: that. Yeah.
3: So, so you know, and then, yeah, it's, and the whole time we were walking over there till we got to the hillside that we're going to go up. I was like, "All right, like this is it, you know? Cool, stay calm." Like mm-hmm. I kept telling myself to be really aware of everything that was going on. because mm-hmm. You guys kept telling me that sometimes people get too focused on going after this here and they're not looking around and seeing what else is going on, yep. other movement, all that stuff. So yep. I was trying to focus on that, and then it just like happened quick, man. We went up this little canyon and. Uh, you went ahead a little bit to peek over and then we decided to go further up and then you peeked over and you saw him and packed off and we just creeped up there. But then, I mean, I've told people at work and friends and family and stuff that it's like, it's crazy seeing that deer at 800 yards and then at 60. Mm -hmm. It's insane. It's just such a big difference. And uh, like, I mean, there's not deer like that in California. If, if there are deer like that here, they're they're deep in the mountains. You see people kill deer like that here in California, but they're hunting like deep in the Sierra Nevada. It's like real, you don't see deer like that. Here. Yeah. And I've never seen deer like that in person. And mm-hmm. seeing that thing in person, I, it was crazy. And it, then it yeah. was, yeah.
0: So. If I miss anything, go ahead. No, no, I'm gonna say a few things. Looking back on these stocks, you have to have things go for you. We were really fortunate that those deer, I mean, really, they were pretty close. Like, as far as that, that yeah. knob goes, I mean, they were not too far. Um, like, a half mile is pretty generous out there. And then uh, we were able to watch them bed down and keep eyes on them. It's so hard. Like, a lot of deer would just, you'd see him move in the morning, and then you're like, I think he's between these hills. Um, but it was nice. We were able to watch him bed down. And he was a big buck. Like for people who don't know, like he w- he was a nice deer. Um, it was weird. We saw some bucks completely covered with velvet, and this buck was totally hard horned, which was interesting because the buck you go against you we stalked the next day was totally velvet. Um, but yeah, we were lucky to be able to keep eyes on him when he bedded down, and then it was like what you said, really careful for a little while, and then hauled butt up over there. Um, I think. Like what you said, we've dropped packs. And that first time I went up, he was like 70 yards, I think. Um And when yeah, I did that... seventy, seventy-five, 75,
3: something like that.
0: Yep. And when I did that, I was telling you, I'm memorizing the land above that deer. Like there were um yucca plants above that I was mm-hmm. just like, this is the pattern of those plants above his head. And so I wouldn't have to look all the way up to see his antlers because I just they just can get keyed on to everything. And so then that's when we went kind of down in that little saddle and did a little bit more around. Um, and at that point he was still bedded and I remember getting eyes on him, ranging him. He was at like, at that point he was just just outside yeah. of 50 yards, I think. And I was like, okay, come up here. I think we'll, we'll be good. We'll have a shot. And that's when you had the cactus. Didn't you, <laughs> didn't you stick yourself? Oh,
3: yeah. Cause I was like,
0: come on, come on. Yeah. Um, because just randomly, well, we were being real. Cool. He popped out. Yeah, we were out of being his head. real quiet.
3: Yeah, we were creeping up real quiet, so we weren't really communicating. Mm-hmm. It was more like eyes and hands type mm-hmm. thing. And then I knew we were getting close. I think you were where you wanted me to be, so I was just maybe a few feet behind you. Mm-hmm. And I just wait. Was it that stalk or was it the other one?
0: I'm pretty sure it was that, that one stalk. where you was pulled out. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was that, that one. Cause then you looked back at me to tell me to move forward. And I was taking a <laughs> yeah. cactus out of the, the heel of my boot that I had sat back on my boot. On. Yeah, That's fun. But, uh, but yeah, then uh, I think
0: I got up next to you and I think you told me 58. Yep. Cause he, within minutes of, f- I've seen him, he stood up just randomly out of his bed. Like we didn't spook him at all. It was just happenstance. Um, because what those bucks do is they have a morning bed and then once it gets real hot, then they go to their main bed throughout the day. And so we were just lucky enough to get there in those moments of him deciding, eh, this place is a little hot. The sun's kind of on top of me now. I'm going to go to my next one. And so that's when he stood up When I was like, get up here. And so he was like, when I first got the range, he was at like 54. And then I think he wandered up that hill a little bit, side-hilling up to like 57, 58. And I think that's what I told you. And then take it from there. Mm-hmm.
3: And then uh, when I got up next to you, it was was funny watching the film later because I drew back, and watching the film later, I was like, why was I holding for so long? I felt like I was holding back forever. And I don't know if that was my nerves, if I was really just trying to settle my pin or what it was, but I feel like I took too long, and then he – I don't know if he caught, uh, if he got eyes on us or saw something, caught a glimpse of something and then he kind of perked his head up and then started turning towards us Mm -hmm. and quartering to us. And then I think in my head I was kind of like, Oh shit. Like that's it, you know? And then in the, and I, cause I still have the clip you sent me and I could hear myself asking you, can I take this shot? And you Mm -hmm. said you could take that shot. And Mm -hmm. there was like, Little, this little shadow on his chest between like his front right shoulder and like that like chest bone mm-hmm. muscle Yep, and I was aiming right there and I shot and that thing moved so damn fast <laughs> <laughs> Yeah And you know immediately after the shot like it sucked because I thought I hit like four feet to the left Yeah, it looked way the back the dirt and then the, the deer and then the deer way to the right, and it was just – I couldn't believe it. I, I think I said, like, what the hell happened, mm-hmm. you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, then, uh, and then that stopped, and then seeing them bounce off over the hill. Yeah. <laughs> but, Dude, that yeah, – So then we went and we
0: – That deer yeah. jumped out of its skin. I mean, I, I'm pretty much done editing this episode, and I – Basically, I put a circle on like the kill area of that deer, and that thing moves i mean feet because yeah. I'm like i put the I put the kill circle like so people can see how far off this deer moved because you would have you you would have drilled him like it was on the money i I moved this circle over and you just smoked the middle of the circle where the arrow needed to be and but that deer was i mean feet away, like you shot behind the thing like. That's how fast they moved and that's how they survive out there because he, he knew something was up. He wasn't like fully like, like ready to spook out of his, out of that whole area, but he was like Mm -hmm. just on pins and needles kind of just wondering like, what, what is that? And I mean, yeah, honestly, looking back at that, I think you made a fine shot. I just think the deer, the deer won. That's basically it. Yeah. I mean,
3: I've thought so much about the, this, this hunt since then and I, you know, I even thought, man, I wonder if it's, because we were really still, I mean, we were not moving, we might have been silhouetted a little bit,
2: mm-hmm. but then it
3: kind of just made me think, like, man, is it a defense mechanism of these older bucks to kind of scan skyline?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And,
3: like, it might have just been something, like, this deer has lived long enough, and maybe, I don't know how many times he's been shot at with an arrow, yep. but, yeah, he just dropped, and, I mean the amount of respect I gained from shooting at that deer and missing. It's yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. It's, Some history.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some history about this place is, I mean, we, me, me or have never killed a deer and I've missed countless bucks. So when I heard Dylan, um, missed, I was like, okay, well, at least I can console him. Cause it's happened to me. I've like, I've been on the top of, on top of deer, like mm-hmm. five feet, 10 feet. Um, and just my inexperience, I didn't, um, shoot when I should have, but I just didn't make good shots. Didn't even hit, I haven't even hit any deer out here. And, um, yeah, I mean, looking back at that footage, um, it was basically a perfect shot as far as like where you should have been aiming as you hit the, hit the release. And that buck, I mean, it wasn't even like a, just a fall. Mm -hmm. It was was like a a spin drop, get the heck out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. And I think that I think that helped you, Dylan, too, like just know like, okay, shot's money, but now I know if even if that deer's like one percent are we aware that I'm there there, like I'm just gonna drop my shot a little bit or anticipate a, a duck or something like that. But that's the thing about Mule Deer, like yeah, even um, I think it was John Dudley, like he, he made a bad shot on a mm-hmm. Muley this year yeah. because he he did anticipated that the deer duck and it didn't so you just like you never know what they're gonna do
2: well
3: and then you guys have said that handful of times you know literally everything needs to go right and i've i've thought about i've watched that video i don't know how many hundreds of times since this hunt yeah (laughs) but uh i i thought because i told you guys you know the one thing i was hesitant about was aiming low because i always tend to shoot low, mm-hmm. even when I'm just shooting at a target. So in the back of my head, I was like, I'm not going to shoot low. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but thinking back,
3: thinking back, if I had shot low, I would have hit that thing in the butt. Yeah, You know, exactly. I would have made a horrible shot on that, mm-hmm. and that would have sucked, you know. Yeah. That would have changed my, probably my whole attitude for the hunt, and yeah, it just would have been a completely different experience. So it sucks missing that, that but uh, man, I, it was after that. That one that I was, okay, I'm going to hunt mule deer forever. Yeah. The, Good it's, job, guys.
0: It's crazy because in order to, for you to, like, double lung that thing, you would have had to have been aiming, like, two feet to the right. <laughs> like, that's where it's like, it doesn't make sense. How do people kill these things? Because yeah, it would have
3: been impossible to anticipate that.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, you can't. And so it's like, what do you do? You don't. The biggest thing that we had for a takeaway from that hunt was just don't let them know you're there. Because that's what screwed us because as soon as he had some inclination yeah. he because he was feeding there and then he Looked up and like kind of quarter two and then his attentions up so our biggest thing go away from that hill is like Don't let them know you're there because that could have changed things. The other thing Dylan I was glad you brought up was there was a younger buck with him that was way higher up in the hill that we were probably totally exposed to and that deer didn't have a clue yeah. So you are totally right. Years of living out there as a big muley buck, they've seen some crap, and they've—I yep. guarantee you—if a buck is five years old out there, they've had an arrow flung at them. Oh, yeah. like you can pretty much probably one of mine, it. honestly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was. What did you guys have anything else that day? I'll go back to you. Um, that evening, I think was—I mean, Josh. All of our evenings are slow. We didn't have any evening stock, so no. We we were in we were in the antelope like crazy more antelope than i've ever seen out there Mm -hmm. but no big bucks we were just waiting to get back to camp and you guys tell us you saw some giant yeah we went back basically (laughs) to where we last saw the the deer that that didn't work out in that morning um and i i forgot my ranger 1800 vortex optics um rangefinder out there in the heat of the moment so we went back picked that up And then it was, it was again late, late into the evening when we spotted either those same deer or different bucks, but for sure we, me and Dylan got eyes on shooters again that night. So, um, yes. After Dylan missed this buck, he, we chose to nickname this buck (laughs) Dill and actually any, any buck for that matter was Dill because (laughs) Dylan told us earlier that he hates being called Dill. So we're like, okay we're going to kill Dill. Yeah. Dill's the buck's name. So it was like me and Nate would be texting and it was like any, any signs of Dill? Yeah. Nope. I haven't seen Dill. So that, that buck got the nickname.
3: Yeah. And that night or not even that night, when we got back from that stock in the morning, uh, Tom said to me something like, Oh, like, you're a lot less uh, disappointed or something than I thought you'd be.
2: <laughs> oh yeah!
3: And I was yeah. like, oh, I don't, I don't know. It was like it was cool. Like after watching the video, I feel like I made a good shot. Having the video was a game changer. Yeah. If I didn't see that, I would have felt completely different. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, it was just a cool experience. I was, I thought to myself, wow, okay. Buck fever is real. That's yep. <laughs> like my, my heart. I was cool and calm until the second I drew that bow back. And I, like, you feel your heart rate go up.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting point because I remember before every, like when we got to those close moments, I'd always ask you like check in with you to make sure you're still with me <laughs> and just make sure you're yeah. good to go. And you always seemed just cool and collected, which was really good. Which, just like your nerves weren't wrapped. Yeah, And, it should be noted, Dylan. What do you do as a as your full time job? Part time. I'm job. an ER tech. ER tech. So, so I work in if, the
3: emergency room.
0: Yeah. So if there's a chill dude, it's Dylan. He <laughs> knows how to handle himself in a tough situation. So, um. But yeah, that that was how it was on the second September third. Plan was go to this, go to the knob that um, Nate and Dylan had mm. hoarded, yeah. and um, <laughs> that they've seen bucks at basically every time they sat down. Covered. So all four of us went there and we're like, okay, this is, this is the money hill. We're all going to see bucks. And that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I first spotted one far off, actually back towards the truck and gave that a little bit more time, um, hung around a little bit more. Um, he vanished, but I knew he had to be towards that area and then it didn't take much. And you were, I think Dylan, you spotted that one up again. Yeah. Yeah. And then so it's like, okay, got our bucks, let's go. And do you guys want to get into it or do you I want me to? You guys. Okay, we will. Um we were amped because we I mean ours our hunt so far had been quite a bit slower than you guys. We had that one one little stock lasted maybe an hour the day before, but we were going after this buck. And the biggest thing here was um trying to find them again. So we we probably um cut honestly it, it probably it was close to a mile. Um, cut cut some distance and I basically had um, some obvious landscapes I remember um, a little pine um, tree and just the, how the hill is shaped but it's difficult because out there and anywhere that's like that landscape you you set your hill okay that's the big hill that, that one V's right into it but then if after you move like two steps you're like okay this whole landscape just changed so mm-hmm. it's important just to get those barriers that you, you won't forget and we will be able to spot up really easily so we find that Um, find that area we close in, um, at this point, probably at least half mile out still. And what I spot is a fawn that I saw with the buck when he showed up earlier. So like, okay, I bet they're still together. So that was like, I didn't see the buck, but I was in my head. I was like, okay, we're going to go over there. I bet the bucks just bedded down. That fawn just messing around, um, just jumping around and stuff. So we then do a whole, big, um, basically semi circle around to get our wind right. And, uh, basically at that point, um, we were just slowly taking our time, creeping hill by hill, like not knowing where they're at. Josh did a really good job of just slow, slow, slow. Um, not anticipating where that buck was going to be. We had our ideas, but just keeping open-minded. Like we, me and Nate just got back from our South Dakota mule deer. And one of our talking points was just don't like Don't think you know where that buck is because it could Mm -hmm. be anywhere in those hills, but Mm -hmm. it worked out well for us because I sure enough spotted that that fawn a doe and then that that uh, Younger it was another younger buck, but it was a nice buck. It was it was probably a four by four Um, and The best plan of attack was the coat to go swing around him So our wind was still good, but it was more of a side wind Um, and at that point um Josh, how close to how close did we get to hang out? We slow we just kept creeping, creeping, creeping and we I mean, were we sitting at 50 yards? 55. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, we uh we sat there for a while. Do you want to take over a little bit, Josh, and fill in where I missed?
1: Yeah, well, I just want to say I was super impressed because we saw, I think, really far away skyline and then it went off that ridge into these waves of hills that are just impossible to distinguish. And when we do that half circle around, I remember you whispering to me and saying, I think they're on the other side of this hill. And we creep up into there. And sure enough, they were bedded right there. I think the fawn was walking around maybe, yeah. but the doe and the buck were bedded right there, 55, slightly downhill. And then you told me, you know, we have two options here. You can either take a bedded shot, and but it would have to go in front of the front shoulder. And I never thought about that really. So yeah second option was to wait for it to stand up on its own and then, you know, draw back, kneel up, take a shot on my knees. So that was the plan. We just waited. And then I saw the fawn kind of walk cause the wind wasn't great. Like it was sideways yeah. for a while, but it wasn't perfect down. Sometimes it blows in different directions. It was a little swirly, but at some point they all kind of got up and
0: then they like trotted off basically. Yeah. I mean, like just a classic soft spook. And, um, we, we did what we then follow them up. We see where they top over and we, we get up top there and glass them again. But, but before like we, we do go after this buck, uh, this group again. But before that, I was able to get a good look at the landscape of where they're bedded in, in the land, in the, how the hill laid and stuff. And I realized that, I mean, I kind of screwed up because there was probably a better opportunity to get a shot. Our wind might've been sketchy for a short time, but I think we could have gotten in tighter. So there's just so many things that, um, it's important if you do like bust a stock, look back, like how could you have done that better and stuff like that. And that's one moment that I was like, we should have just kept, tried to keep going around and then popped over. We might've had a, a much better bedded shot or, um, better opportunity there. But yeah, we we basically haul butt up to the top of the hill, which was kind of the protocol. We told you guys, we're like, hey, these, these deer like to get up high and just like look around. They might go a couple hundred yards. We've seen them go almost a mile and, mm-hmm. and just stare, and then they'll start feeding again and do that whole thing. So it might give you another opportunity. And sure enough, we get up top. It was it was a pretty soft spook, so they didn't go they didn't go too far at all. And but the the I think it was the mature doe that's that winded us or whatever. Um, for the most part, the buck just followed them. So buck was really chill. Fawn was chill, but the doe was on point for the next 20, 30 minutes. And then they, um, went through this little V and they vanished. And our plan was to, um, we first went around the big hill that they were going to be on the side hill of. And then I realized, no, our, our, our best chance is going to be backtracking and going around up top. So that's what we did. And, they, they they just knew something up. It's it's mule deer. They just have a sixth sense. So we're we're creeping in. We we see that buck, and then Josh is like, I told you, creep up behind this this uh, yucca, and see, see if we can get close. Um, one thing that should be noted is we talked to both Dylan and Josh. We're like, okay, it's important to have um, basically like a shot cut off mm-hmm. like out here because in the moment you can get t- caught in. And I mean we've taken long shots that we shouldn't have countless times. So it's important just like to have uh, 50, 60, 40, whatever you're comfortable with. We're going whitetail hunting with um some, some new hunters this weekend and there's just 20. So, and that's great. I mean, whitetail hunting, we're going to make that happen. So, but Josh's was a strict 50, which I, which I appreciated. Like just knowing you knew what it was and you weren't going to um, vary off of that. So Josh, you want to take it from here and talk about what happened next. Yeah. And
1: actually right before we got to that moment, the first time we were creeping up the hill to go find them after they had soft, they saw suit. Uh, I remember we were going over that edge and, um, I was really happy because I stayed super close to you instead of like the first day where I was like a foot or two behind you. And I remember we crept right up, like we put our foreheads right over the, the ridge and like we saw that, that buck with his horns kind of looking our direction and we just froze and then kind of like, slowly almost like an escalator backwards yeah. just went right below the hill again that was super intense but anyway yeah. we get up to like I don't know maybe you were at 70 at this point and uh, you, you told me hey this is actually a really good situation because he's broadside he's standing um, they're all kind of standing at that point milling around and so now you know it's belly crawl time to try to close the distance from 70 ish down to like 50. And I'm just moving the bow and then crawling, moving the bow. And I'm staying right behind the yucca. So I can't even see the deer, which actually was probably a mistake when we, when we talked about it after. But so I'm moving, moving behind the yucca. I can't see the deer at all. So I'm just
0: assuming they can't see me, which was a mistake. But I get to, I think it was 55, no, 60. It was, it was like just under 60, like, like a high of 58 or something like that. Um, yeah. What, and I remember turning yeah. around and saying, Hey, what's the range?
1: And you said like 60 or something like that. And I just said back to you too far. <laughs> and then I like look up between the yucca branches and then I just see them eventually
0: spook basically. So the situation you were in, Josh, you did a really good job, but that's like a, it's like you like flip the timer and you're like, okay, I've got like two minutes before they know too much and they take off. So it's like, like, they kind, of, they they might see you move a little bit, but it's like just like you're making movements, so just slight, like. But you have no other opportunity but to make those movements, get to a certain spot to be able to have a shot. And you did. You got there. That buck was still broadside, mm-hmm. but it was just outside of your range. And and I gave you credit for holding up to that range because I've seen you shoot. You can you could hit a deer at 60, but you said 50, and that that was perfect. And I mean, that that situation was perfect. You got a really good stock opportunity and. Um, I mean, in a, in a year or two, if your if your boundary up goes out to 60, I mean, that's a dead deer. So, um, no, that was, that was how our, our morning went and it was, it was awesome. I was glad we had, um, we had basically two stocks that morning. So we were happy with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I remember feeling like super disappointed and also proud of myself at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like the craziest, weirdest feeling. Like, should I have taken that shot? You know, I've t- done it at targets all the time. Um, but the lesson I learned in that was to watch the deer and when they're like putting their head down or looking away, then slowly inch up for me, I was just like, Oh, I assume they couldn't see me at all. Cause I'm behind this yucca super low. And I just kept moving and moving, trying to be quick and quiet. Yeah. But it was a good lesson.
0: Yeah. It was funny, Josh. Cause like the next like 10, 20 minutes, you're like, Oh, I should have shot. Nope. I'm glad I didn't <laughs> two minutes later, man. I should have shot, should have shot that. Oh no. But no, it was a really like it was a really good decision. I'm sure like looking back now, you're like, okay, I'm glad I had the compass just to, just to not take the shot. And yeah, that, that takes a lot to, to hold back on well, shot that. shot opportunity.
3: that day when we were driving into Valentine, uh, Josh was saying, oh man, I should have taken that shot. And I said, well, I took a shot at 60 and that deer, mm-hmm. my arrow by three feet. So, yeah. so. <laughs> you shouldn't feel
0: bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so back we can reverse with me and Dylan. Um when we were all four still together, I remember Dylan was like, I see a buck. It's out there. And so I whip out my Viper HD spotter which can see I mean miles. That thing is money. Yeah, it's um, heavy, but it's worth it. Oh there. yeah, it's worth the class. So I put it up there and I'm like, Dylan, that is a big buck. We're going to go kill that buck. You know, and, Dylan, now that he says it like that, I don't like hunting with Nate because he gets it even when I'm with him. You got to know. He gets in my head. No. On this South Dakota trip, I, we saw the biggest mule deer we've ever seen, and he's just talking about the backstrap we're going to be eating. He gets in my head so much. No. It's confidence. Yes. I, don't, Dude, I don't want my hunter you, to pop up at that thing at 50, 40 yards and be like, oh my gosh. I want him you to You should know. have just told him it was it was a doe with antlers yeah so basically the thing with that stock was that deer was far i mean he was far i mean multiple miles for sure i mean we covered at least 2 like or 3 it miles took us,
3: what do you think it took us like uh, like i don't know how long it took to get there it felt like a long time
0: it was easily over an hour wouldn't you say
3: but yeah cuz we crawled for what 100 yards and yeah. that alone took us 25 minutes yeah
0: so i mean we're look we're looking at at least an hour hour and a half stock just to get in the vicinity um and so for the first like mile we could cover ground pretty fast and it was the type of thing where like we were so far out i wasn't worried about it and you could just look up and just see this little speck just bedded down and the thing i remember is like that deer's on the biggest hill biggest hill that's all i remember i try to mark it on an x but it's hard to figure out where everything is and biggest hill so we keep working around and we get to like i think i ranged him at like a thousand yards that one time and it made me so frustrated because i'm like that buck is so smart he is like on pride rock up there i mean he can see everything he's on the biggest hill i mean anywhere surrounding him he was going to see whatever's coming towards him so i'm like we need to go side hill on this guy because there's no way we're gonna come up from the bottom anywhere because he's on the, top, the the highest mount or the highest hill basically So we did this big loop around um, it, but before that we did I mean we're Easily 800 yards away and we're basically army crawling <laughs> That's how that's how sensitive these things are because yeah. I'm like I've been busted by muleys and I, even though he's still a, a dot on the hill. I am not gonna leave anything up to chance so we had we had like you said a good few hundred yards, probably hundred hundred fifty yards of real slow moving before we could get up on our feet and walk some more.
3: Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, I learned definitely more on that stock than on the first one just mm-hmm. because it just had way more to it. It was, you know, kind of dropping a pin in a general location where you think he's at, moving to where we can get to another high point to get eyes on him again and then adjusting the plan from there and continuing to move. And then there was this huge chunk of area that he was going to, like we were in his field of vision. Yep. So that was when we had to crawl and go real slow. But yep. I learned a lot on that. And I mean, same thing with the first buck. We didn't get eyes on him. It was what, probably 600 yards when we crawled past yep. the field of view. And then it was, so we found him
0: again. Yeah, there were a few things that were worrying me. We had to cross that fence where there was cattle. And I was mm-hmm. like, mm, I I thought there was a fence between him and us, but I was like, I do not want to bump these cows over there. Um, sure enough, they went the other way and there was a fence, so I wasn't worried about them bumping. And then I remember you and I just having this conversation where we, we got to this kind of open spot and we were glassing it really hard. That's one thing that you did really well is I think a lot of new hunters do a poor job of picking up the glass because I think they can just, they think they're going to see it with their eyes, but little things out there, especially like those yucca plants and just mm-hmm. dried stuff. Look, I mean, they can get trippy and you were, did a really good job just popping up glass nonstop, which is really, really awesome. But I remember the conversation you and I had, and we got to this journal area we like, he could be anywhere. Like I know he's in this spot, but everything looks different. Everything looks different. Nothing. I wasn't familiar with anything. And we were like, this yeah. is when we just need to take it slow. Every new every new knob we go over, every new piece of ground that is, like, can see us, we need to be glassing hard. And that's what we did through that whole low spot. And we basically, I came to the realization, I was like, the one thing I remembered was he was on the biggest hill. That is still the biggest hill. Even from my view, I'm like, that thing looks like the biggest. So that's where we went. Um,
3: And even... Yeah, because when we were, I know, like, it was after we crossed the fence, we went up, and we were on this, like, flat, little mm-hmm. plateau, yep. and at that point, I was kind of turned around on it, yeah. like, everything looked completely different, because we were looking, so we spotted the deer, like, head-on from the deer, and at this point, we're trying to find the deer from the side of him, so yeah. we weren't even looking in the same direction, so the hills just looked completely different.
0: Yep. So and then, where are we yeah, spotted was it?
3: on you finding that buck, like I, <laughs> I don't know if I would have found that buck honestly, cause everything just looked so different, but like you yeah. said, you were pointing out those things to me, like, mm-hmm. you know, even earlier when you said you're looking at the patterns of the yuccas and everything, like I learned a ton on that stock.
0: Mm-hmm. Nate's got a really good internal compass, which helps him. I remember our first, I think I told you guys this story. Like our first year out there, this is like before we had Onyx, I think. And I was like, trucks that way trucks north right and he points the exact opposite and then that really that scared me i was like so we have no idea where the truck's at and we're both saying the opposite directions but i knew my history nate was like a tad better i still have a good internal compass but i was like okay then he started explaining things and this is how we got here like, okay we'll go your direction sure enough we got to the hill right before we lost a lot of light but um, yeah you So you guys were basically, were you working on the hill that he was on? Yeah. So basically what Dylan was saying is when we spotted him, he was to the north. And then when we were trying to relocate him from that spot, when we knew he was in the area, we were looking at it, we were looking west. So like all those hills had changed. And so we're going up to the spot where I'm like, I I assume this is where I think he is. But still i'm looking behind i'm looking to the sides just like you. I mean, you just got to cover it all and we drop packs there And I just start itching up this hill I, I have you stay back because i'm like I, if this deer is here and spots us I only want him to spot one of us and so I just I move up literally Inches and I glass the whole top of the hill a few more inches glass the whole thing a few more inches that do that until I look to my right and I see full deer <laughs> like Full big buck just staring, not at me, just down the hill. And like, I mean, I could see his neck up and he's just a big velvet muley. And so I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> I think I look to you and say some expletives and I'm like, we need to go. And so I lower and come back around and get back up and range him. And I, my first range is like 40 yards. So I'm like, we're in his house. We are breathing the same air as this deer. And so he was still bedded at that point. So we kind of get up here, and it was the similar conversation that you guys have had of, like, bedded shot or wait to stand. I mean, 40 yards, Dylan, you can make a shot. And it's, like, with where how he was bedded, it was, like, it wasn't a terrible spot, but it was also, like, really close to, like, you could hit him in the butt pretty easily if your arrow's, like, an inch low to where it needs to be.
3: Yeah. Because um, we were basically same elevation as him mm-hmm. i was i was slightly shooting downhill mm-hmm. but not very much not and much. i even had to take the binoculars because i had dropped my vinyl harness at that point point. Mm-hmm. and then i took yours and i was like let me look at him again so i looked at him again and then clarified with you where i would be shooting if i were going to shoot embedded mm-hmm. and i was like that's a tight spot yep. man i yep. don't know so so then we are like, okay, we're going to wait. And Nate said, okay, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And then I, like, put my head down for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Nate's like, he's up,
2: he's up.
0: Yeah. And I was like, oh, craziest, <laughs> crazy that that happened twice. I mean, within yeah. a minute. If you would have, like, started a timer of when, like, I cut the range to him and we are like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We had the whole bedded discussion. I mean, within a minute, I'd be like, okay, we're going to wait for him to stand up. I mean, easily he stood up out of his bed. I was like, what?
3: Yeah. You said we could be here for a
0: couple yep. hours. Yeah.
3: And I was like, all right. I even like adjusted my knees. Yeah. Yeah. Like, comfy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yep. then, uh, where am I going I guess I can go yeah. from here. So then we are we are behind this yucca and he stood up. He had no idea we were here because the wind was blowing like north to south.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's facing away. I look at him and, it, It was 40 yards, and there was
2: this black tuft of hair, like a perfect vital
3: spot. And Mm -hmm. so after, I don't know if I did this subconsciously or what, but, you know, I remember we watched the video on the tailgate, and I was like, why did I take so long to shoot at the first deer? Mm -hmm. I felt like I took forever, and I felt like that was part of the reason it gave him enough time to look around, catch his eye on something, and then quarter towards us, and then he was mm-hmm. able to react a lot quicker to the shot. Mm-hmm. So I think this time I just did the opposite and I rushed the shot. Yep. And, uh, you know, I had heard plenty of podcasts and read a couple things that said, you know, if it doesn't know you're there, you have more time than you think,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: it's so hard to anticipate if the wind is going to switch, if anything. So it's again, it's back to everything's got to go right. And I think I just, I, I think I would have had more time because so basically I put my pen on that black tuft of hair and shot and I shot over mm-hmm. and he did not react the way the first deer reacted. He didn't drop a foot or whatever, mm-hmm. but I shot over and then he ran away probably like 30, 40 yards mm-hmm. and he looked back exactly where he stood up where I shot at him Yep and we kind of realized at that moment I knocked another arrow
2: and we realized like, Oh,
3: he still doesn't know what happened. Just Mm -hmm. something happened and he ran away. So he still didn't catch our wind. Mm -hmm. And thinking back, I started realizing, man, I probably had a few more seconds I needed to really go through that shot process. And we talked about it afterwards and I just don't think I went through that shot process.
0: Yep. And the thing that was crazy about that one is after you shot, he didn't know we were there. Like you said, but the thing that ruined us is he went downwind and then he got a win mm-hmm. and you could see like him put his nose up and then he looked up at us. And if I, I think, I think you would have had another shot at him right there. Cause he was still in range. Cause I remember I ranged him at like yeah. in the fifties somewhere. And cause he kind of like, he didn't like run straight off. He kind of did this loop around and then he just busted our win. I was like, man, if our wind would have been different, you probably would have had a, another secondary shot. But yeah, I mean, it was just, it was nuts. It was a heartbreaker definitely hurt i mean the reaction that you had and then me i mean we were both i mean we were both thinking we got a long walk home we just worked our butts off perfect stock found this buck you know but what i told you is the whole trip we were just focused on those little victories that we kept talking about i'm like we got we found we relocated this buck that was really tough i mean you got full draw the thing we wanted to accomplish after the last one was get full draw and get a shot off without the deer knowing. And we did that. Like we accomplished that. Mm-hmm. And so there's these little yeah. things that you have to take away from hunts like that because otherwise it'll just hurt. It'll just eat you alive. Watching those deer on. I off. think I told you guys yeah. on the hunt, like, like anytime you can get within a hundred yards of a live animal, like and the mature one at that, like, it's just, it's a huge feat, so I mean, you guys did a great job with that, I remember Nate texted me, he's like, man when, when you guys get to the truck with Dylan, like, give him some motivation, the <laughs> yeah. dude's down, give him some I was low. like, yeah. okay, well yeah, I've been there, I've, I've missed a couple of deer, oh, it so hurts. it, yeah, it's terrible yeah. oh, oh, it's one of the well, worst feelings
3: yeah, and like, like, I brought it up earlier how Tom said you weren't as bummed as I thought you'd be, because that second one, I mean, my reaction <laughs> after missing that second one was completely different than missing the first one and Nate knows that like I was Mm -hmm. I was I mean I was disappointed in myself it's a 40 yard shot that's like I mean I know you after that like when we were at your guys house you were telling me you missed shots at less than that but it Mm -hmm. just goes to show how hard bow hunting is because you take a 40 yard shot all day and it's like it's an easy shot you know but when you're shooting at an animal also it's crazy having a animal fill your sight image. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's something I didn't really think about. But when you're at 40 yards, you put a big deer or an elk or whatever it is, you put a pin on them, you're just seeing gray or brown or whatever it is. And that was, I don't know, but it was really cool. cool, And it was a bummer. I still think about that all the time. Yeah, (laughs) And I I told you guys, man, it's going to suck to have to go to the grocery store.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, it just yeah the whole the whole thing about mule deer hunting it just like there's just a million things that have to go right and and picking the spot on a wild animal yeah having the having it inside your head to be like this is where I need to shoot when you're drawn back thinking whoa this is all gonna go down and you're thinking is he gonna win me I need to get this arrow out but where are his vitals where are his vitals like squeeze it off slow don't don't punch it it's like all those things and I'm like at the end of the day buck fever is a real thing (laughs) even when you're experienced i i mean i shot over a bat i shot over the back of one just last week it was it was a young young mule deer i thought it was completely fine put pins on there 51 51 yard shot shot over his back and i was like i know everything's tuned up i stayed confident next day I, i drilled a doe at 50 so i'm like there's only one thing that's different boys. And it's the, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's the rack that I'm looking at. It's just interesting. Like yeah. it's a real thing. Yeah. So that was, I mean, yeah. that was basically it. Like we kind of put the flag up after that one. Cause that night I don't think we saw any shooters. And then that next morning we kind of went all out we went together again and we didn't see anything. And we were kind of like, well, Sandhills, you'll win again. We're yeah. going home. <laughs> but I mean, I think yeah. you was it you dealing that sent the, the screenshot like Ryan Callahan was saying, it's not the big, uh, it's not the animals that you kill that get you hooked to hunting. It's the ones you missed that bring you back. It's like, yeah. that's a hundred percent true. That's why we go back. Cause we've never had it, success out there, but man, the drive to go back out there is just mm. overwhelming.
3: Yeah. Well, I like, I have a late season archery tag for here in California and i I don't think I would be nearly as motivated to get out there and get a deer down on the ground if I had my freezer full right now.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
3: you know, I mean, I, I'm sure I'd be going because it's fun and it's a good time. But I, like, I am determined. I'm going to spend some days out there and I'm going to do what I can. So,
0: mm-hmm. but, so
3: yeah, that was definitely true.
0: Yeah, Dylan, when are you heading? When's that hunt? Uh,
3: well, the season is open now. We yeah. had pretty much all of our national forest closed the past mm-hmm. month or so because of fires yeah um but they're starting to open up now and it's starting to finally cool down it's out of the hundreds mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, i'll probably be going mostly november and december but gotcha. i have till december 31st which is pretty good for here because i think that the, the bucks start moving a lot more a lot later here and then uh it's it's either sex so i think mm-hmm. i'll give myself to the first or second week of December and then well, yeah. I, I think I'm just going to see how it goes. And yeah. If I'm not seeing any bucks, I'm just going to put a doe down.
0: Yep. Sweet. And Josh, you, um, just ended kind of a big trip, of, of uh, hunting, but what do you, do you, have any hunts planned for the rest of the fall?
1: Yeah. So, uh um, did the elk hunt, got back and then, you know, buddy, he actually got access to small, small, like 40 acres, um, in Northtown. town. So we, we just went on a blacktail deer hunt. Um, just got back from the last night actually. But, uh, and he took a 40 yard shot and the, the downhill and actually the, uh, cam like derailed on the shot. It was insane. No way. Super intense. Mm-hmm. So like so many things can go wrong. It's nuts. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was an adventure. But no, after this, I got uh, a crane hunt in Texas. Uh, we're nice. doing crane for two mornings and dub in the afternoon. That's cool. November 6th. And then nothing planned after that. I might go back to the small property next weekend, yeah. um, or maybe the weekend after. But yeah,
0: that's awesome. There is like one buck there. But. Yeah, <laughs>
3: you guys. I was texting you, yeah. you guys. I was texting you guys because I don't know if I'll be able to make it happen this year because of school and everything. But mm-hmm. I started hearing more and more about that that archery December January Arizona tag. So I've mm-hmm. kind of got that in my back pocket just in I, Yeah, case, cause it goes into like February a, too, doesn't it? It's not that long of a yeah. drive for us.
2: Yeah. yeah. I don't know
3: deer? but uh, it's mule deer and coos deer. But uh, nice. it's uh it's pretty much pretty much the whole state of Arizona and from what I understand if you so if you buy the tag and the license in
1: January
3: but you don't kill something and come, you back, can yeah. come back in December. Yep with the same no license way. and tag in December. So, yeah. It, and that's probably the best time year. to be in Arizona when it's Cold.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's no, a hunt we've heard we, really good things about that yeah. that's a hunt we almost did last year with some yeah. buddies but we're probably going to be doing it in the next few years that's that's awesome so you guys just props to you guys you worked it really hard in the sand hills. we loved having you guys in camp i mean it's take away the hunting of it we just had some great some great nights of cracking some cold beers and just hanging out with you guys so that was awesome thanks for thanks for coming i mean really we appreciate you guys just being on board being excited for it all it was an awesome time and you guys just absorbed everything, which we hope that mm-hmm. hunters do, but you guys really like took these things and learned from them. Um, so Josh, starting with you, I know we got to get going here, but I just want a few takeaways from this whole spot in stock, um, from this trip. Uh, first I want to say shout out to Mr. Larson. I should make a comment on that quick. Yeah. Our old, <laughs> our old gym teacher from grade school, um, Basically hit us up. He's like, hey, I know you guys are in the area. I want to, I want to meet up. And I mean, we hadn't seen him since like the fourth, fifth yeah, grade. I mean, we were little. Yeah. Little. So he yeah, he, 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 he was like, he told us when we were with him, like he looked around and like driven the area, <laughs> like the two previous evenings and talked to a bunch of random people, picked random people up. You guys, the twins, like just ask him random questions and stuff. Um, but he finally found us third night. And, uh, no, we had a good night. We hadn't seen the guy in forever. Um, he lives in the area. So he's like, anytime we're back up there, yeah, we need to hit him up. He's, he's like, man, you should have let me know you're coming. I would have gotten you guys on private. And I was like shaking my head. <laughs> ah, yeah. Um, no, but yeah, that was, that was fun. Josh continue.
1: Yeah. It was super fun. But, uh, takeaways. Oh man. Um, I think my biggest takeaway, a lot of it is like mindset stuff, just focusing on the process and, um, And kind of like, I was going to make a point earlier, kind of like that lesson Dylan took from that first shot, he made a perfect shot. Like the decision was correct, but Mm -hmm. the outcome didn't end up the way we want it to be. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter in the end. It's like you keep making the right decisions and it's going to come through. And so I think focusing on the process, continually learning, like asking for a lot of critique and um, soaking it all in, just being present, yeah i don't know there's just so many takeaways but that would be my main one is focus on the process results Mm -hmm. gonna come one day yep yep
0: it's really good dylan uh
3: yeah i mean it was a tough ending to a hunt for me but i mean having that experience is so invaluable i mean i plan on taking everything i learned from that hunt and using it as long as i'm hunting and I think it's going to be quite a while. So,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, but takeaways like, if you're not having fun being out in the mountains with friends and looking at animals, then like those bummers of the hunt are really going to suck. Yep. And if it wasn't for having such a good time with you guys and like, like you, we kept saying, the little victories, like getting eyes on deer like that was so cool for me. Mm-hmm. And the Sand Hills was amazing. I've never been to a place like the Sand Hills. Yeah. And it was just an all around good trip. It, like, the hunt didn't end like we wanted it to end, but it was a good time and we had a good time in a good place and yep, I yeah. look forward to going back next year and taking Dill down.
0: Yep, that that oh, place. Real quick. Yeah, go
1: ahead. Yeah, i to say thank you so much to you guys too because we talked a lot about the new hunter recruitment problem and how it's. this is an apprenticeship thing. You know, mm-hmm. going from book to field is super difficult. So again, to watch you guys, you guys plant that seed and not only do that, but just continually water it every single day it's huge for us. You guys definitely changed the trajectory of our, our hunting and we'll have like yeah. decades and decades of enjoyment because of it.
3: And I have, I have a lot of friends who have been hearing me talk about hunting for a while. And when I went on this hunt and they saw my Instagram story and everything, way more people are talking to me about it. And mm-hmm. I know for a fact, definitely this year I already have a few people that want to go out and hunt with me. And I'm like, I'm no pro, but we can go kind of figure it out on our own. That's awesome. And, uh, I think, I think we're already recruiting some hunters here in California. So
0: That's outstanding. I mean, that's the whole reason we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And to hear that, I mean, that, that just makes like the fall worth it for us. Like taking people like you guys out. Um, that's just all we want to come out of this. Um, quick note, like if God came down and it was like, like how do we solve how do we get hunters that are out in the field once to come back? I'd send them through Dylan's hunt. Miss some big giant Muley Bucks a hundred a hundred out of those hundred hunters are gonna come yeah. back and wanna hunt again. Mm-hmm. So in the end it worked out. Set that seed for both you guys. So yeah. Awesome hunt. I mean, can't beat the sand hills. And if you guys ever need anything, you know yep. it's or a text or call. Um Yeah. So it was awesome. Uh to finish things up. Um, we want anybody to write in with this podcast. If there's questions or comments, um, you can go to info at identicaldraw.com, email that any, anything you want, um, give this podcast some ratings and this episode is going to be popping on the identical draw YouTube real soon. I'm basically done with it. So it's going to be awesome. You can see these deer we're talking about on the YouTube. Yeah. So guys, thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. Look forward to the next time with you guys. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know if we're still
1: recording, but I uh, do want to say if on, if anyone from Vortex or Onyx is listening or First Light, like, thank you guys so much because the discounts that you guys gave us. And then when Dylan, when they came up to us, and were like, hey, here's some two spotting skills. Like, which one? You guys <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. And we were like, oh, yeah. We thought they were asking which one they were going to use for the hunt. And they were like, no, these are yours. So mm-hmm. thank you, guys. Vortex over there. Yeah. New hunters I've been- new customer for life.
3: And I've been using that uh, new 3D feature on Onyx like mm-hmm. yeah. hunt for, it's pretty sweet. for November and December. And it's game changer already. Like, I I had a couple spots, and then I did the 3D thing, and I was like, oh, I can't go there. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> I know, like, a lot of hunters would sometimes pull up Google Maps, too, but there's no need anymore. Like, the Onyx 3D, it's where it's at. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah thank, that thanks sponsors cool. for hooking up all of our new hunters. But, yeah, yeah. thanks again, guys, for joining have a, have a good week.
3: All right, man. Yeah, looking forward to – well, I'm kind of looking forward to watching the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again. This yep. was fun.